0: Well, good morning. How is everybody doing? Well, that wasn't real good. Come on, how's everybody really doing? There we. Go. That's what I want to hear. Well, I'm I'm fantastic as well. Nothing in specific, you know, to really make me fantastic this morning. Other than um, something, a real big announcement that I would like to bring up today is, isn't Josiah amazing? He he lets me use a fan up here now. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have ever noticed, but I, I look like I'm working out in an attic anytime I preach. I'm just sweating so bad, and so I just want to thank Josiah for contributing to my comfort up here. And I was thinking about taking one of the Dr. Dan methods and just taking my shoes off. And I you know that's but that should be a holy thing, and probably not just for me cooling down. But um, but I also want to thank. There's been multiple contributors to uh, my cooling down process. Babs, you've been a major contributor to this process as well, and. Um, So Babs caught me a couple, amen, thank you, Babs, yeah. Hey, if you don't know Babs in this place, she runs this place, and so you need to know Babs, and she's been here since uh, before all of us almost, and uh, anyways, Babs caught me a couple sermons ago and said, Brandon, you sweat so much. You just sweat so much, and she hand knitted me, is that what it's called, knitting? Crochet, I knew I was wrong, but she crocheted me these sweatbands, to wear while I'm preaching. Can we give it up for Babs in the place? <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> How do I look? Come on, somebody give me some feedback today. Does it make my ears look bigger? Because that ain't good. They, are, they don't need no help, do they? <laughs> Goodness gracious. Babs, I, I tried it, I test drove it earlier and it actually makes me a little hotter. So I think what it'll be, it'll be really good to put them on my ears during winter, you know. and that way my ears actually don't get too cold. You guys with me this morning? Is it okay to poke fun at ourselves or what? Amen. Well, hey, we, um, we got a couple cool things going on here at the church. Uh, I think we should have some slides about this. Uh, first thing, um, we have a concert coming up, Consumed by Fire. Anybody ever heard of them, Consumed by Fire? Okay. Well, I think we should have a slide hopefully somewhere back there. But I want you to look them up today. The band's name is Consumed by Fire. They have a radio hit that's been pretty popular over this last year, um, first things first, can anybody sing that tune for me? Seek my will, or your will, right? Thank you, babe, I, I can always depend on you. You got my back. And so, I, do we have that slide? You guys, oh, we don't have a Consumed by Fire slide. I was kidding, there's not one today. And so, anyways, Consumed by Fire, you can find it on our website, I know that. We also have on our social media, we've, um, if you go to Facebook, Instagram, I believe, We have a boosted post. You can find that link. It is a ticketed event. And so you do need a ticket to get into it. But the goal is is that our church would show up and we would have a night of worship together. Um, It is going out on the radio soon. Um, They'll be doing um, a a special promo video to invite some other churches in the valley. Um, But on top of that, I've also tried to make a special emphasis to include like our other Nazarene churches in the district. Um, And so the band actually... um, I knew them before they have, I guess, made it big or whatever you want to call that in Christian music. Um, and I remember when they were just selling CDs out of the back of a van. Um, I was at the the Dream Center and we would do outreaches together. and And they were just a, a couple good old boys from, you know, from the Midwest. And, and And these guys have just been devoted to serving Jesus. Grew up in a family and a life of ministry. And so they have agreed to, before the concert, to have a, a meet and greet for all of our local Nazarene pastors and minister to them and bless them and pour into them. And so, anyways, I would love to have you guys there. That's, that's November 17th. Everybody say November 17th. That's a Friday. And so the concert will be at 7 o'clock. And so we would love to have you, that, uh, have you guys come out for that. Also, we have a farmer's market coming up. Amen. Anybody else know what a farmer's market is? Okay, more people than new consumed by fire. That's pretty good. And so, uh, Maggie, you guys may just be doing better than the concert. I don't know yet. So we're gonna find out. But uh, November third, November third, and it's gonna be from ten a.m. to four p.m. Ten a.m. to four p.m. on uh, on Fridays as well. Um, It's going to be here in the parking lot. There's going to be vendors. They're going to be set up. It's an outreach for our church. But it's also a great way to get people in the community on the campus, seeing the church, and, and being able to be here without having to come into a service. You know, um, the goal is is that we would utilize this property that the Lord gave us and has blessed us with, and so this is one of those methods that to not only take those people that are inside of our own congregation, because this, this is Pastor Kirch, one of his one of his heartbeats is, you know, how do you be influential where you're engaged? You know, like where can you expand your influence, and so. Not only are they already involved in this sort of business and market, but now we can partner with them and partner on our campus and unleash them to hopefully reach our community. Amen? Yeah, so we would appreciate your guys' involvement in that and excitement. And So if you're available, I don't know if they're looking for uh, volunteers or help or vendors or anything, but if you would like to get involved, you can fill out a little connection card, turn it in, or you can catch Maggie uh, right there waving her hand, and, and she'll get you plugged in, Okay? All right, guys. Um, Anything else new and exciting? Anything at all, guys? Got anything on your radar? Okay, all right. Well, I guess I might, hopefully I got these pictures, right? We have a new addition to the Lean family. This is Wesley Faye. Oh, my goodness. Hold up, hold up. I'm just going to sit out here. Let's all look together real quick. Look at that. Man, my wife is smoking hot, but... (laughs) Wesley Fay, she was specifically happy about the one laying in bed together, um, but that is my view in life right now. And so she was, uh, wow, she was born last, uh, last Sunday and seven pounds, nine ounces, 21 inches. I'm looking at her for confirmation to make sure I'm right. Yeah, what a miracle. You got my boys, uh Wyatt's in the the camouflage here, and uh this is Carter. And so Adrian, if you've not kind of read between the lines on this, is Carter and uh Wyatt's bonus mom, okay? And so she's bonus mom to to my teenage boys and and so this is just uh Just a miracle. Not only that the you know that the enemy didn't he didn't succeed, but we're gonna exceed what he even thought was possible. And it's only through the Lord's help that we get there. Whew. So it's been a unique week for me, writing, preparing, as this is what my mornings have looked like, and if I move an inch, oh, Wesley knows. (laughs) Her cries, when she's just so upset, she can lay against my chest and be okay, and I'm Desperate to hear from the Lord this week. And I'm like, God, where are you? Like, where are you? And he's it, like, I'm speaking to you through Wesley. I'm like, I just want you to lay right on my chest, praying. And I, I just want you to be with me. And so I'm not the most, I guess you would say, prepared in most people's standard today because my routine's been rocked. You know, 2 a.m., 4 a.m., 6 a.m., 8 a.m. But the Lord's never been closer. I've never been more clear of his voice in my life. In the midst of not having any answers of where we're going and what we're doing. (laughs) Most of the time. Amen. Amen. We've been in this mixtape series. Everybody say mixtape. Pastor Jeff, last week we were so blessed with that. That was a great sermon. Just ah oh man. I I didn't know him personally, obviously. And um, but I, I've only heard great things, and then this sermon was just awesome. I love to appreciate that. Obviously, Josiah is incredible, Dr. Dan. We just have a a great team of people. Um, I know Allie will get involved here in a couple weeks, I think it is, maybe, Um, and so I'm just, we're just so blessed to have a team of people that can step up and just speak God's word, and, and it's such a blessing to have that, and so I do want to encourage you, as Pastor Kurt and Jan are on their sabbatical, pray for them be praying for their refreshing and their their that their time would not only just be refreshing but that they would have fresh revelation and fresh vision and fresh passion and energy and and the enemy would love for them to be more worn out from this time and drain them and think that you can't recover and can't get back, but we want them to come back refreshed and refilled and energized and and so just continue to to be praying for them and pray that they would have that time right now and so in this mixtape series, um, we have uh, um, really had some some good sermons, and it's interesting as you even look at the at the picture of this. If you're under the age of eighteen and you're in here, can you tell me what this is? Okay, why did you say a CD yesterday when I asked you? I, th- I think that's what happened, but. <laughs> oh, man, no, he said a videotape. That's what he said. It's a videotape. It kind of looks like a videotape, you know. I guess I can get that. But, but some of you guys will never know the pain of a cassette tape. Amen? Does anybody understand what I'm talking about? I know Balmore does, but I, I got a little example that I'm going to show you guys today. And so, you know, when back in the day, can I say that yet, back in the day? I'm old enough for that. Oh, boy, that's happened. And so we would have these, uh, what's this thing right here? That's a boom box right there. If you ain't got a boom box, you don't even know what good music's like, right? You know, you got a boom box here. And so what would happen with a boom box, a cassette player for all my young adults in the building, is that not only would you be able to play your music from here, um, you would actually physically have to press buttons to get it to play. But the really crazy thing would happen is when you wanted to record a song, who remembers how that process used to work? You know what I'm talking about? You'd have to either have a dual cassette player, right, or you'd have to have a second cassette player somehow. And so not only is my favorite jam playing here, I've got to have a second cassette player playing right next to it, and I press, I press play and record. That way when this song's playing, my blank cassette would record the song that I wanted on here. And how many of you know that the pain of recording that song, going back and listening and realizing that you missed it. Oh, my goodness. And then how long do you got to wait for that song to play again? You ain't looking it up on Spotify. It's on the radio. And so they play that every 8.4 years, and then you, so you never get the song back, you know. And, and so the, the, the pain of cassette tapes and recording and, and, and missing uh, exactly what it is that you were hoping to catch, um, it's real. It's real. Oh, and then what about rewinding? Oh my, who thought of that? Like whoever thought that this was a good idea. Oh, you want to rewind it? Get a pen or a pencil and just jam that thing in there and start turning it around until like the ends are almost there. You think you're at the right spot, but you're not really at the right spot, but then you, you know, and then then, then it all comes out and the tapes ruined and you got to redo it all, right? Convenience is such a beautiful thing. See what's interesting about this as I was Thinking about mixtape and cassettes and, and rewinding. It's really one of those things that as a believer, and even in, as a human in our lives, when I'm trying to record and trying to capture that, that song or that moment, see, a lot of us have things recorded. We've captured these things in our minds and in our hearts, these lies straight from the enemy, that if we don't take the time and we don't do the inventory that, that these lies that have been recorded, they just replay season after season into, into the new things that you walk into. And, and, and if you don't do the work of actually digging into what it is, the lie that the enemy has strategically placed in your life, what it is that, that he's planted in your life, and, and most of the time, these lies, they happen to children, the most innocent, the most defenseless, it's, a, it's the, 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 the teasing on the playground, it's the, it's the divorce that you go through, it's the, uh, the, the, all of our, um, uh, our comforts that, that are taken away because of a split home or because you're not accepted at school or because you got a bully or because you look different or you're from a different culture or, you, or somebody does this to you and, it, and we're so young and that impression is recorded on our brains and transferred into our hearts and we just carry that around for the rest of our lives. See, almost every person I've met has at least one of these lies that have been recorded in their brains, in their hearts, and they replay this thing over and over. You see, we really shouldn't be surprised about this, is that the scripture is really clear that, that the enemy, Satan, is the father of lies, He's the father of deception. He's the father of lies. And as we're going to continue to dig apart, it's not necessarily that, that he, he comes up with something that's completely untrue or, or completely against anything that could be possible or logical. He almost takes a little bit of what could, could, could be considered kind of true. That did happen to you. But then he twists it and he perverts it and he creates this, this whole thing, this, this hook on the inside of you. That every time you hit that space in your heart or in your soul or in your, in your brain or in your life, that, it, that it, it's like a, a buzz goes off and it pushes you and it pushes you away from anything that's good because you're scared and this lie has taken roots and, and grown down into your, into your whole psyche that it affects everything that you see and you do. And so today, I want, if I had a title for today... I want to rewind the tape. Let's rewind that tape together. Let's take just a moment to get today and and we'll dig into scripture and, and we're going to take our pens and pencils for all my 80s fans out there. 80s or 90s? 80s, yeah. And we're going to just rewind that thing and we're going to go back to the point in place that maybe one of those little lies got planted in your brain and you've allowed it to be carried around your entire life. You've allowed it to live rent-free there. And today, it gets a vacancy notice. It's time to vacate. Amen? Okay, let's dig into some uh, scripture together um, just a a little bit. Uh, When we talk about those lies, it's really important. um, You see, the... As like I said, we're gonna to continue to unpack the, the lies that we look and hear or that we hear sound a lot like the truth. And so in in John 10, 27, Jesus is speaking here, and Jesus is saying that that somehow that his sheep, who are his sheep? Come on, give me some feedback up in here. It's us, right? When Jesus is saying this, he said that my sheep, like you and I, believers, that we are his sheep, that, that somehow his sheep listen to, to his voice. And so his sheep listen to his voice. And so Jesus is saying this clearly not Brandon, thank God. He's saying, Jesus is saying, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I know them, and they follow me. And so is Jesus saying this, like, is it a metaphor? Or is he being literal that his sheep should know his voice? Great. Absolutely both, right? He was the greatest parable teacher and created word pictures. He's a wordsmith and he connected like spiritual meanings with real world application. But then all of a sudden he also means it's really, this is true exactly what I'm saying as well. And so when Jesus says that my sheep listen to my voice, I know them and they follow me. He is expecting that if you are in his flock, his fold, if if you are one of his sheep, if you are a believer that you understand and know the voice of God. The scary thing about that is statistically upwards of 80% of Christians say they've never heard the voice of God. And they're not even sure, is that a thing for now or was that just like back then? You see, that is something that we have to dissect and think about each one of us in our own individual walks with Christ that, that if he says that his sheep listen to his voice, but yet you're in the 80% where are like, I'm not even sure. Like That's kind of weird if God speaks, like God speaks, bro, yeah, okay, like uh, God told me. But Jesus says that his sheep, he, they listen to his voice and they know him. And they follow him. So that's one of those things that, that as we dig in today, that the majority of Christians would say that they're not even sure if God still speaks today. Let's pray. Close your eyes with me. I want you to pause. Slow down. See, we've got this impression the alpha the omega this god that's unimaginable in size or what does he, what does he look like How, i mean he obviously has to be louder than the voice of the world but he really invites us into the stillness the smallness the secret place inside of our souls. It's the thought bubble that pops up that, well, I didn't think of that. It's the prompting in our hearts that you don't hear unless you slow down long enough and listen deep enough. It's hidden treasure, as we'll find out today. And so, Lord, I invite you into this space right now. I ask for you to speak today. I ask for your voice to be known today, Lord. Lord, we trust you and we love you. And everybody said, in the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. We got two different voices. We have the voice of the world and then we have the voice of God. Excuse me, I'm gonna grab my drink. But you see, Billy Graham has a, had done extensive writing on the voice of God, and a lot of his his interaction with the way he taught was about hearing the voice of God, and so we got a quote by Billy Graham today. Um, these two voices, the voice of the world, the voice of God, and and so three times Christ designated Satan as the prince of this world, and so... Again, this collision of the, the voice of God versus the voice of the world. And this is what Billy Graham has said about this is that there's three times that Christ designated Satan as the prince of this world. The, the Bible is clear that either the world's inhabitants, that its people, that that we are under like the spell, or that we are we are in Christ under the direction of the Spirit of God. That you're either under the spell of the world and the voice of the world is overwhelming, or that we are under the direction of the Spirit of God. And so as you look at this, the Bible is clear that either the world's inhabitants are under the influence of the world, which is cunning, deception, and it's a spell, or they are in Christ and under the direction of the Spirit of God. And so think about the statement that 80% of believers are, you know, that's a, a rough guesstimate, but most believers would say they've never heard the voice of God. They don't even know if it's for this time. If it, Is that even real, God? And you know that that right there from Billy Graham, where it says that we are either under the the, uh, the influence of the world, or you are under the influence of God. So there is no neutral ground. The Bible teaches that worldliness is a force. Amen. Worldliness is a force. It's a spirit that is in opposition and in contradiction that that it, to all that is godly and Christian. See, the world's goal is selfish pleasure, material success, and the pride of life. It is ambitious, it's self centered. God is not necessarily denied, and Lord, forgive us today. That God's not denied, He's just ignored, He's forgotten. Is that still for today? I thought that was just back then. Even worse, as I think about even, you know, parents, you know what I'm talking about. How many, you ever had to tell your kids to do something three or four times? Well, I don't. I just get the belt out and still whoop them as teenagers. But you might have had that happen. I won't name names in here, but there's a mom that's actually grabbed an airsoft weapon and shot at their children in this place. And it's a miracle that they didn't get hurt. Uh oh he's name calling. He's dropping names today, isn't he? He's just ignored or forgotten. God, I've never heard that voice. Have you not heard it or have we ignored it? You know, I think there's a difference between not hearing something generally, like actually not hearing, and then just making ourselves so busy, making our schedule so full, Making uh, our priorities out of order, so much so that the voice of God is drowned out by the voice of the world, by selfish desire, by by material success, by the pride of life, by the things. I've got a little bit of time here, God. I've got to accomplish something. When those things are what drowned out the voice of God, I believe we begin questioning whether or not the voice of God's real. Here's a couple things that the voice of the world tells us. Uh, number one, the voice of the world says this. It says, whatever we want, we deserve. More is better. This material success, this idea that more is better, this model that, that we deserve whatever we want, that, that, that whatever you want, you, you go get that. Every self-help book ever. Whatever you can imagine and dream, you go achieve that goal. You do that. You, You put your life into it. You work 13 hours a day, eight days a week. You do and get whatever you want because you deserve it. More is better always. That's the voice of the world. You see, the second lie... That the, vo- or that the world tells us a lot of times is that, that you need to be seen and recognized by the world. You, you deserve, you need to be somebody. And so the voice of the world not only tells us that, that whatever you want, you deserve that, but it also says that you need to be seen and recognized by the world to be something, we were all taught that in school and definitely in my generation growing up that, that 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 you're to be something that you go achieve something that you greatness is in you. I believe in you. But it was the voice of the world the only greatness that was in me is what my father put in me. So we need to be seen and recognized by the world. Here's the third thing. Whatever we want, we deserve more is better. We need to be seen and recognized by the world. And the third lie, one of the lies, there's many of them, that the world tells us is that we must have financial security. We must have financial security and be able to provide for all of our own needs. That's, this is what the, the world tells us. It, it shows us in, in marketing and in TV and commercials and in movie stars and in, in everything that, that we consume from the world. The voice of the world are pounding these lies in our, inside of our psyche constantly that, that they're trying to tell you your value. They're trying to tell you that, that, that your identity is found in the world and the things you can get. They're trying to tell you that security, this self-made, your self-worth is found in the things of this world and it's a lie. That you cannot achieve enough, you cannot collect enough, that you cannot be successful enough to make your value, your identity, your self-worth, your security actually be at peace. Dallas Willard says it like this, and and he's one of my favorite authors. If you guys are are ever looking for good books, look up some Dallas Willard. Um, Dallas Willard, he says it like this. He says, our failure to hear his voice when we want is due to the fact that we do not in general want to hear it. We don't in general want to hear it, that his voice, God's voice, we usually only want that when we think we need it. That if we're still enough, that if we're slow enough in here, in our lives, if we're honest this morning, we understand most of the time what the voice of God is telling us to do. It's something more real than me and you in this room is that, that deep knowing inside of the, the gut of a believer, the heart of a believer. The place, the temple where the Spirit of God inhabits and lives, there's something more real that takes place when the voice of God starts prompting you and showing you and telling you. If we're slow enough, if we're willing enough to sit there in that space, we know that He's talking, we know that He's telling us something. We know that, 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 but when we begin crying out, as Willard says, instead of knowing and listening for his voice all the time, we really turn it into like a genie in the bottle kind of prayer, a kind of conversation where it's like, God, I really need you. Can you please, can, can you heal my arm? It's, uh, can you give me a job? Or Lord, please come out of the bottle and give me a wish. And oh my goodness, my, my kid was in an accident or this is going on. My health isn't concerned. And it's like, God, come out of the bottle and, and show up. We usually want his voice when we need it, and praise God he does show up for some of those things, but most of the time, instead of just being a genie in a bottle type of God where he comes out and and grants you this wish, usually what we're going through is more about our character development and not our comfort. I'm not saying he's caused all the tragedy in your life. In fact, there are probably two categories. There are some things that are just terrible and we all need to suffer together in. The loss of family, the loss of a child, the terrible things we go through. But then there are this this other category of things that we go through most of the time. And he's just wanting to develop your character and you're sitting there crying, rubbing on the bottle, wishing he would change your comfort. You see, this conversation needs that, this voice, this ability to hear him clearly. You see, Jesus even went through this, and we're going to read that in the gospel here. If you, if you have your Bible, let's go to Matthew chapter 4 and verse 5. Go ahead and flip open for me if you got your Bible or if you got your phone. Go ahead and do that. It's like I'm in my living room up here. I just need a lazy boy. i got a fan, a cassette player, a water bottle. That's good. All right, Matthew chapter 4, verse 5. Give me an amen if you're there. Amen. <clears throat> okay, and so in Matthew chapter 5, or, or chapter 4, I'm sorry, verse 5, then the devil took him. Who's him? You guys ever just sit in that line like, what in the potato chips is going on? <laughs> like, you're telling me the devil took Jesus somewhere? <laughs> like, is that, me- is, is that like a metaphor or is that literal? Somehow, the devil had such access that he took Jesus somewhere. Then the devil took him to the holy city Jerusalem to the highest point. Everybody say highest point. Why the devil choose the highest point? Because that there, there's nothing higher than the highest point, right? He took Jesus to the place of most value in the eyes of that community, of that place in that time and said, this is your value. I can give you your value. The voice of the enemy. It, it, the enemy took him there. Satan took Jesus to the, to, the, to the highest point, this place of being valuable. Nobody else is more valuable. You are valuable as long as you. Took him to the highest point of the temple and he said, if you are So not only is he questioning his value, he's also questioning now his identity. You see, when the lies start coming in, if if you are valuable, you're valuable, right? The doubt, the question, the lie answer, if you are, oh, your identity, if you are the son of God, if you are a pastor, Brandon, you shouldn't be going through that. You've been a Christian for 10 years. That shouldn't be the case. Is God even there? You see, he just inserts just enough of a confusion of your value and how much God values you or your identity. Are are you really his workmanship? Are you really set free? Does the truth really set you free or, or is that just all kind of like smoke and mirrors? You see, he takes a little bit of the truth and he just perverts it and twists it, your identity. If you are the son of God, jump off for the scripture, say. That, what's he using here? Satan is using scripture against Jesus. He didn't make this stuff up. He's actually now taking scripture and he's using it to distort it to cause a lie and cause confusion. And that's what he does in our life. He takes things that are kind of true or or that sounds kind of right, but he twists and perverts it and he uses it in the wrong direction and inserts it at the wrong place. And he says, if you are the son of God, the scriptures say, he'll order his angels to protect you. That you won't even get hurt. See, the beautiful thing is Jesus gives us a way to respond here. And so when Jesus hears this, Verse 7, it says, Jesus responded, the scriptures also say, you must not, you must not test the Lord your God. You must not test. See, that lie, that lie is usually mixed in with like some, some truth or something that actually did happen to you. I got a video I want to show you guys. I'm going to take a little pause break with you, and it's a cute one. I might cry again. I don't know. But I showed you those pictures earlier, and it's of my boys here, Carter and Wyatt. And um, Wyatt had always been like, I can't wait one day when I get to not be the little brother anymore. He always used to say that to me, and I just, I loved it, you know. And, and so finally, Adrian and I, or not finally, we, we get pregnant, and, and we, we come up with like this scavenger hunt for the boys, because we kind of like doing that for holidays or birthdays, and like, oh, go find, here's a map, go find all the goodies, and here's a bunch of money for birthday or whatever, and so we did a scavenger hunt for, for revealing to them that little Wesley was on the way to this, to this earth, and uh, I think I've got a video, if we can roll that, here, here, enjoy this with me. The, oh, it says the big bro, I need the little bro. This is the big bro, too. Wait a minute. That's awkward. Hold on. How are you? Yeah! You're gonna be a big bro! amen right let's give it up for the boys yeah (laughs) you know uh, they were good sports and let me play that teenagers don't want that kind of stuff played and thank you guys for being good sports but I bet y'all watched that video a thousand times in this season and it made me feel this way every time and uh I realized once Wesley got here That at least 500 of those times I watched that video, there was a little voice. And it wasn't joy, it wasn't happiness, it was shame, it was condemnation. You didn't get it right this time, Brandon? You sure? You sure failed those boys when they were little. And the enemy is just so crafty. He takes that little bit of truth and he tries to distort what's good in your life. And he tries to steal the redemption, the love, the possibilities. In these lies, they have these self-contained prisons we live in. It's the, the lid that you keep hitting against every season. It's the, it's, it's the inability to get past a certain point in place in your life because you've let this lie become more true than what God wants to do through you. As i watched that video, I told a good friend this morning that I, I'm going to be transparent and tell you guys that terrible amount of shame and guilt, regret... You know, and I've I've sat the boys down and talked to them, and so I know it's okay to talk about it, but I've got to live in the reality that that is true, but it's not the whole truth. I I did do that. I did fail in that moment, but that's also how I know I'm going to succeed in this one. It's because I'm not that person anymore. You're not that person anymore. The place where the enemy planted that lie in your life that that you weren't good enough, that you weren't ever going to be something, that that you're never going to make it. You're never going to be like your sister. You're never going to be like your father. Your father never loved you. This Whatever the lie is that's been planted in your heart, I rebuke it this morning in the name of Jesus because he can break that chain in your life if you let him. Amen. better get rolling. I usually go short. I'm going to go long now. (sighs) So how do you know if you're listening to the wrong voices? I've got a few spiritual disciplines, some teachings of Jesus that we're going to kind of run through together, okay? Uh, And so let's remind ourselves here. The voice of the world tells us whatever we want, we deserve, that more is better. To pinpoint the lie, to counteract this spiritually, uh, we have a spiritual discipline that Jesus teaches us. Jesus teaches us solitude and solitude that is the exact opposite of this more is better life this success is a model that keep adding more you deserve more you deserve go 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 with this American culture idea of success that Jesus teaches this idea of solitude this creation of open space in our life where you have the, no commitments, you have no obligations, this empty space in our daily lives, until you sit in that empty space and you listen for the voice of God, he, can't, he won't reveal where the lies are planted in your life. This open space, this solitude, this place where we spend purposely abstaining from distractions. Don't you know we're so distracted? My phone's beeping, my laptop's going off, the TV's on, I got an earbud in, and, and I, I, I'm here with you, Lord. <laughs> are you? Like, really? I mean, you got four things coming in right now. You can hear the God now? And so this purposely abstaining from distraction, discovering that when we abstain from this distraction, when we create space to just be with God, then we will discover our value in Christ just by being with him. That we are not humans doing, we are humans being. We're supposed to be with Christ, that's our creation. But most of us spend our lives just doing things, consumed by the doing, the activities of life. Mark four nineteen, he, it says it like this as well. Um, and this one, I've got to meditate on quite often. But the worries of life, the worries of life that, they, that these things sneak in, they, they creep in, as some translations say, that the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth. And the desires for other things come in, and it, it chokes the word out. It chokes out the voice of God. It chokes that thing out inside of you that God's put inside. It's choking it out. It literally means to consume or to surround on all corners, on all directions, that that the, 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 the deceitfulness the of wealth, the concerns of life, the things of this world, they continue to creep in, and it gets more and more and more and more until there is no life or breath inside of you that God has put speaking to you anymore and then you're like well does God even speak anymore I don't even hear the voice of God because the word the word became flesh has been choked out inside of you because of the worries of this life the deceitfulness of wealth the desires for these things the desire for the world to see me the desires for the things of the world to, for me to have it chokes it chokes his voice out Here's the second thing the world tells us. We went over this earlier. The voice of the world tells us that we need to be seen. The voice of the world tells us that we need to be seen and recognized by the world. See, this one is kind of like when he questioned Jesus that if you are, if you are the son of God, he's questioning his identity, you see, the world tells us in its lies, and its voice, that, that you can find your identity in the things of this life, and you can't. Again, don't get me wrong, and being a father, you, I, I deeply care about being a good father. That's part of my identity. I'm a pastor. I deeply care about being a good pastor. Part of my identity, but it is not what my identity is. And until you drowned out the voice of the world and you drowned out this desire to be recognized and seen by the world and stop trying to fulfill your identity in the things of this world, you have to realize that when Jesus teaches us this, secrecy is where you'll find your identity. You see, you're told to be seen by the world, to be, to be famous, to be, to, to be viral, to be, uh, to all of these things, to get all the followers and all the things you can get, but Jesus teaches us to consciously refrain from having our good deeds and our, our good qualities generally known. Great example, Jesus does some miracles, and, and what did he commonly tell people? Now, don't go tell anybody. What? <laughs> I want you to tell all your friends about what's going on in here. And I mean that this morning. But it's, is it really the way Jesus led? See, when you look at this, that Jesus teaches us that refraining from having our good deeds and qualities generally known, which in turn, it disciplines our longing to be recognized. Does that speak to anybody this morning? It does me. I want to be recognized. If I don't slow down and create stillness in my life, I'll be running at a pace that's not sustainable. I'll be doing things that God never told me to go do because I'm trying to build something in value of in the world's eyes versus in his eyes. See, Jesus teaches us that, that when we live this life in secrecy, dis, uh, like disciplining our longing for the world's recognition, that is when He can truly speak to us about our identity in Him. Matthew six four. Here's one good example about giving in secret, if you will. Um, of course, it's talking with your really more your money, I believe here, but it says to give your gifts in private. Pause. Rather than even my gifts in private, because let me just tell you, I ain't got much to give right now. <laughs> uh, but what I do give sometimes is attention to certain people, right? Time to certain people. Uh, whatever that is, whatever we have that's not even monetary to give to other people. But if I'm not careful, a lot of times I find myself giving to be seen in public, though. You see, I find myself giving myself saying, okay, you're gonna owe me down the road now. And it's not really a gift in private, even with our money, this giving in private, and your father who sees everything will reward you. And so when we discipline our longing for recognition, this is truly when we will be set free to realize our identity is found in Christ. Amen? You guys with me? All right, I'm going to land this plane in a couple minutes here. <clears throat> Isaiah 45.3. Isaiah chapter 45, verse 3. This secret place, as I keep talking about, where the voice of God truly is. There's this place on the each, in the inside of each one of us believers that he that has these hidden treasures stored that he has riches that are stored in this secret place that that he wants to reveal to us, that he wants us to, 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 to have solitude with, to have silence with, to be with him alone in these things, to discipline our longing for recognition in the world's eyes. You don't have to be somebody in the world's eyes. You are somebody in his eyes that we are to discipline that longing to be accepted by the world, that, that recognition, that, that we are to crave being in the secret place, that we set that time aside to be in prayer and communion with God. But the problem is, is these lies from the world, they, they flood us and they choke that word out. The third lie that the world tells us that we're going over today is that we must have financial security and be able to provide for our own needs. If I'm transparent with you, it's probably where I struggle the most. This idea of security, food, shelter, water, I'm just providing for my family. But what's what's unique about this lie inside of myself when I don't catch it quick enough is, Lord, if I can just get this new promotion... If I can just get this house, if I can, it, it, we, we live a life in the corners always where you're constantly like, Lord, when I get there, that'll be enough. 19-year-old Brandon, Lord, when I can get a 1,000 bucks in the bank, whoo, <laughs> 30-year-old Brandon, if I can get 10 grand in the bank, I'm going to retire. Like, I'm good, Lord. 50-year-old Brandon, what's he going to say? Well, I've only got this many years left to retire, Lord. I've got to have a couple million in the bank. You you know. The world tells us is that we we must have financial security and be able to provide for all of our own needs. But see, this is what Jesus teaches us. Jesus teaches us sacrifice. The life of a believer is one of sacrifice that we would be deliberately forsaking the security of satisfying our own needs that there would be somewhere in your life as a believer, a follower. Remember my sheep, they hear my voice and they follow me, that there would be somewhere in your life that you are forsaking what you want, the needs, the things, the, the possessions, the, the, all the collection of things, that you're forsaking those things for bettering the lives of other people. Thank you for giving and out of your abundance, but what do you give out of Sacrifice. Like, that's the heart of the Father, that what does it actually cost you? Like, thank you for the tithe, and thank you for the abundance, And but that's not what I'm talking about. What does your Christianity, what is your following Jesus, your shepherd, what does it cost you? Until it actually cost you something, did it ever mean anything? And that's what Jesus is teaching us here, is that, is that when we... We forsake the security of satisfying our own needs to improve the lives of others and trusting in God for our security that God will provide. I'm not telling you to be foolish, but I'm telling you to question what he's calling you to give up today. What is in abundance in your life? What is it that you could be forsaking? What is it that Jesus has showed us the model as a shepherd of sacrifice? What is it that he showed us that we could follow? I'll invite the worship team back up, please, and we'll, we'll land this together. <sighs> you see, sacrifice, it develops our characters in ways that comfort never could. And the lie of the world is, this is tricky. Catch this one this morning. The lie of the world is, is, well, brother, you're blessed. Look at all the things you've got. You see, we we place people with material possessions up higher than people with character. You see, we look at them like the Lord has blessed them, and I would even say, Lord's blessed you. You got, look at what you got. Look at all the stuff the Lord has given you. But if sacrifice develops character more than comfort does, are, are your comforts really from the Lord? See, the enemy would love to give you, he would love to take you to the highest place. He would love to put you up on a pedestal as long as you don't hear the voice of God in your life. He would love to give you everything that your eyes can see as he tempted Jesus As long as you don't sacrifice for the betterment of others. You see, the lie sounds a lot like the truth. And it's just perverted and twisted enough for you to believe it. If you're not living a life of solitude in that secret place where the Lord speaks to only you in a certain way. Let's go ahead and stand this morning, please. I'll turn my fan off for Josiah. Josiah. Romans 12 if you'll just leave that up there for me Romans 12 I want you to read that just where you're at I don't care if you do it out loud or quietly and so dear brothers and sisters I plead with you To give your bodies to God because of all he's done. I plead with you this morning. Man, I plead with you this morning. We're intoxicated with the world of success. We're intoxicated with the world of, of achievement, of climbing the wrong ladder in a Pastor Kurt analogy. I plead with you this morning to do inventory on your life. What is it that you've committed and given your life to? Does it model the way that Jesus has taught us? Is it sacrifice and solitude and secrecy? Or does our life look a lot more like the lies of the world, that you deserve whatever you want, that you you should provide financial security for generations to come in abundance? You're blessed. Or I just want to be seen by the by the world, and I'll I'll change enough of myself in order to be accepted by people. But when they accept a false version of me, they're not really accepting me. But I don't slow down enough to think about that. I don't sit in that secret place with God to be like, God, expose the lie. I'm miserable. I've learned how to put a good smile on God. (laughs) I've learned to act like it's all okay, but I'm miserable. Do you even speak anymore? So I just plead with you this morning to give your bodies to God because of all he's done, to let them be a, a living and holy sacrifice. The kind that he will find acceptable This is truly the way to worship him. Close your eyes with me. Sermon's over and I'm just gonna pray and we're gonna worship. You're gonna leave, you're gonna eat within 30 minutes, I bet, maybe an hour. You're gonna check your phone as soon as you leave. You're gonna turn the car on, the music on. You're gonna call, text, all the things. Check your bank account. Brandon, (laughs) thank God they don't show how many times I've opened my bank account app a day. Like it's actually changing. and ain't going nowhere. (laughs) Zero, zero in any language. But right now, right here with your eyes closed. God's speaking. He's speaking to you about something in your life. And I would even be willing to say that he's been trying to speak for a little while because we all have that one lie that's been implanted, that if we've not done the work of pinpointing that lie through living in healthy spiritual discipline and communion on a regular basis, that that lie has caused distance between you and the sensitivity of the Holy Spirit. And so Holy Spirit, I invite you into this place right now. I rebuke any lie that the enemy has planted, that right now that truth when we look at that truth, that the truth that sets us free, I invite that in right now, Lord, into my life, that you would wash over me, that you would sanctify me, Lord, that you would purify me from the inside out, Lord, that I would be worthy in your eyes only, Lord. So as we worship together, Lord, I ask that you speak to each individual in the way that you just speak to them only. The altars are open, you can worship at your seat, you can sit in your chair, if you'll just let them know that they're seeing their love by you this morning in that secret place, Lord. In the name of Jesus, let's worship together, family.